I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. Welcome to Nine Cents. Nine Cents is a satanic perspective of our modern world, and I'm your host, Reverend Campbell. It's great to have you. It is uh, Sunday, November the 28th, not the 21st. I didn't update my notes. And uh, I got a pretty good show for you. We're actually dropping one of the segments, the creature feature, for two reasons. Number one, it's uh, because I didn't see or experience anything that I thought would be appropriate for it. I had expected. Disney Plus's The Beatles Get Back to be what I talked about. But quite frankly, I, I couldn't sit through it. Couldn't do it. <laughs> it was just, I don't know, man. It's not, when I think of any band that I enjoy, I don't think of sitting around for hours listening to them just sort of bullshit. That's not interesting. There's, there's no magic there. Why would anyone sit around for two and a half hours watching the Beatles just bullshit? And if you're that big of a Beatles fan, I don't understand how your brain works. Like, it, it's ridiculous. I, I can't... I can't do it. It was horrible. Just horrible. It made me miss the Doors documentary that was released, I don't know, maybe like a decade or so ago that was uh, narrated by... Johnny Depp. And it was great. It was concise. It had a narrative. It was great. This? What the fuck are you doing, Peter Jackson? This is worse than the Hobbit trilogy. Sweet hell. Learn from your mistakes, man. Anyway, uh, in The Devil's Advocate, I got two letters. <laughs> two people contacted me. <laughs> so I'm going to talk about it. Uh, help with contacts and support the friends. So we'll get into that in just a bit. In the Infernal Formage, I have two articles. One of them was sent over by a wonderful listener. Colorado State Board drops sex offender term, calling it a negative label. Sex offender. Negative label. No shit! There's sex offenders! <laughs> Alright. Well, the second article is not so bad. It's actually pretty dope. It is dancer-singer spy... France's Pantheon to Honor, Josephine Baker. Looking forward to that. And uh, that's going to do it for the show. Yeah. So, Gary, thanks for joining live. Good to see you. Scott, I appreciate you watching. I really do. Ashley, how you doing? Thanks for joining live. Enoki, what is happening? Um, Farith, good to see you. Jason, always great to see you. Valeria, how are you, my dear? Uh, what's up, Sean? How you doing, Achilles? Welcome to the Ninth Circle, Joe. It's not a circle jerk, though, so I'm not sure you want to be here anymore. <laughs> I liked the Hobbit series. I just thought it was long-winded and full of issues, most of them visual. And uh, I just figure he should know, you know, that it's just not that good. He Lord of the Rings trilogy, especially the extended, extended cup, was masterful. It was brilliant. It was wonderful. The Hobbit trilogy... Had some really great story beats because of the source material, the Samarillion that they pulled from. And it continued, you know, really a classic fantasy story, The Hobbit. But visually, oof. Oof. <laughs> oh, man. Uh. All right. So, Joe, good to see you. Thanks for joining live, man. Lazarus, what is up? Cameron, always great to see you, my friend. I was actually going to call and see if you wanted to join me on this episode. But then I was like, it's easier for me to just do it myself. <laughs> I'm lazy. That's how I roll. Sorry. Okay, what do we got? Let's do the show. Yeah, let's do the show. Let's do a little uh, Devil's Advocate.
actually did have some other things to talk about. And I was sidetracked by the damn Hobbit for whatever crazy reason. But I guess uh, I'm already in this segment. We might as well just talk about this segment. Uh, again, a bit of a disclaimer here. If you guys send me letters, I might use them for content. <laughs> because it's either that or I talk about something else that has to do with Satanism. And ultimately, you're only contacting me because of Satanism. So I might as well use what you have to say. Um, not against you, <laughs> but for everyone else. Right? And... <clears throat> It goes to say that I genuinely appreciate that I don't just have old school Satanists watching this stuff. I appreciate old school Satanists watching this. But it's nice to know that there are Satanists who are just coming into the religion that are tuning in. Because ultimately, that's kind of the tone that I'm speaking to. I'm not really hitting any, I don't know, like hard satanic deep thought or anything. I mean, this is really just sort of surface level type stuff that I'm going over. Because if we're honest, there's not a lot of hard <laughs> deep stuff when it comes to Satanism. We like to pretend there is, but there's not. <laughs> there's just, there's, there's none at all. So we just won't pretend. It's, it's all surface. The only deep anything with Satanism is you. You know, where you want to take it in your own life. That's how it gets involved and meaningful when it's just disseminating information it's really just surface stuff so all that being said i do genuinely appreciate when you reach out because it gives me an opportunity to sort of dive in a little bit deeper because again it then involves you the individual which then adds context and depth to the conversation right so here's a, a letter that i received and i just summed it up as help with contacts but let's get into it Hi, Reverend Campbell. I'm new to Satanism after being Christian for many years. I'm getting really addicted to Satanism as I find it to be very addictive to him in a, what might be called erotic religion, if you know what I mean. I do. <laughs> I live in Ireland and there are no places to go to meet other Satanists, and I'm sure there are more like me here as well. I'm contacting you to see if you can help me with some contacts or some way I can get deeper into Satanism so I can go forward with it. Hopefully you might get a chance to contact me with some guidance going forward. Hail Satan. Uh, let me start off. <laughs> uh, let me start off by saying. No. <laughs> I don't mean to be rude, but that's not what Satanism is about. It's not about taking people who come in and discover Satanism and then connecting them with like a satanic battle buddy. You know what I mean? There is no satanic mentoring program. There is not a big brother program in Satanism. The religion itself is about the individual, the one individual, that's you. And if you need someone else to guide you through the religion, maybe the religion isn't for you. And you should really take that thought to heart because it is very important. Ultimately, when you're talking about Satanism, you're talking about a carnal religion that allows you to see the reality of who and what you are as an individual and then how you apply the ideas in the religion to advance your life in, in whatever way that you feel is meaningful, right? So if you feel like you need a, a bigger social network for Satanism, you might not be a Satanist because Satanism is not anti-Christianity, Right. If you and, and I say that not to sort of shit on anyone's idea of it or anything like that. But the, the fact is, most people who come to Satanism from Christianity, which you clearly have said that you have, think that if this one religion was all social based, then this other religion must be as well. And that can also be conflated and confused by the fact that I am on a show and there are people watching and people chatting it up in the chat. And so you think that, yeah, this is a, a sort of a collective religious experience, but it's not. This is an entertainment program that I put on every week. It has nothing to do with, <clears throat> I guess it does have everything to do with Satanism as the religion, but it doesn't have anything to do with growing individually. It has to do with me entertaining people out there. And some may argue that I'm not, and I would not disagree, but I'm trying. <laughs> So I guess my point about this is 
Don't look for other Satanists. That's not what Satanism is about. If you want to get deeper, as you say, into this religion, then you need to study the religion. We, we live by these sort of phrases, these, these catchphrases like, study, not worship, right? So that's to say, there is no central deity, Satan. Satan is a metaphor. So ultimately, what you're worshiping is yourself. You are your own God. Satan is simply an idea that one can aspire to creatively. The Nine Satanic Statements all extrapolate what that idea of Satan is, right? So ultimately, don't look for friends uh, when it comes to this religion, because that's not what this religion is about. This religion is only about you. Now, if you happen to run across Satanists, and you happen to have similar interests, well, that's awesome. Then you just made some friends that happen to be Satanists. But outside of online realms, that's very rare because we always have to remember, though it can be skewed because online means you, you, you know, disparate individuals all across the globe can meet up in one space. We are a massive minority, and that's a good thing. So I know individuals that were in Ireland that are Satanists. I don't know if they're there anymore, but I would never, never try to connect two Satanists together because I think what you're going to find, and this is, again, anecdotal only in my own life experience, I dislike more Satanists than I like. I respect nearly every Satanist I've met, but I don't necessarily agree or get along with them. And so because of that, I would never want to presume that two individuals could ever connect and get along. It's, in my experience, it's really hard, but I'm a disagreeable person, right? So you, you have to, this is, this is something that if you really want to meet other Satanists, do it because you want to meet another interesting human, not because you want to meet another Satanist to further yourself in a religion of Satanism, because that's not what's going to happen. More often than not, you're going to find that when you get together physically with other Satanists, you talk about shared interests. You don't talk about the religion. That's just the reality behind it. So there's no groups that you're going to find to get together like some pagan or Wiccan uh, coven. There's no Christian experience where you can go and <laughs> clap and sing to praise Satan. That doesn't exist, though that kind of sounds fun. <laughs> I would probably attend one just to boogie. <laughs> but I hope that answers your question. Um, it's not a stupid question, but it does mean that you probably haven't read the Satanic Bible and if you had read the Satanic Bible and you still have that question, it probably means that you need to read it again. Because you, you're bringing in, as everyone does, so don't think that I'm, I'm shitting on you or anything. All we can do as individuals is bring to the table what we have experienced. Everything that we know and learn fresh and new is skewed or tainted or filtered by our previous life experience. There's no other way to experience life, right? We are informed by our life experience. And so you come into this religion for the first time with whatever you came from. And in your case, it is group Christianity. And so it's natural for you to think that, okay, well, that must be how this is. It's not. It's not at all. Read the Standard Bible again. Realize that if you need friends, read How to Make Friends and Win Over People or whatever the title of the book is called. Um, there are other ways for you to connect with other human beings on meaningful levels other than this religion, because this religion is not communal. It is not about others. And any Satanist who tells you this, here's one thing, because I know they're out there and they're in social media, which is why it frustrates me so much, because there's so many Satanists who just engage in social media and don't understand that they're creating this false sense of understanding of the religion because of their shared circle jerking. There's nothing social about this religion unless you want to improve yourself somehow socially, right? Through the use of lesser magic. It is a tool that this religion offers. But you have to understand the difference. And any Satanist that tells you that there's, there's someone that you can talk to or watch or listen to or pay money to or just be around to somehow understand the religion better doesn't understand it themselves, and you should stop listening to them immediately, right? There's no one that's going to give you any insight into this religion as it applies to your life better than you. 
So you just need to study. That's it. It's that simple. All right. Good luck. And uh, I do hope you find uh, the human connection that you're looking for. Just don't do it for this religion. What do you guys have to say? Lots of information. Essays in the Church of Satan website. Yes, that is a really great one. Enoki, yeah, Tinder and Craigslist. <laughs> I do not recommend it, but they are definitely out there. Um, how do you date? Yeah, I don't know. How do people date? I've been married for longer than I care to admit, so I don't know what dating is like. <laughs> it's a construct. It's, it's an idea that is so foreign to me that I have no idea. How do people date? I don't know. Uh, you think he wants to meet other Satanists for ritual purpose. If that is the case, you need to realize that this religion is not about greater magic ritual in and of itself. It's presented that way from when the religion was founded because Anton LaVey had to find an angle to really sell it to the masses, right? To make people aware that this religion does exist and that it is this sort of carnal, bombastic religion. But even he got tired of doing the group rituals. Even he stopped it and he created the religion. So I know it's presented that way and ritual magic is a very important aspect to the individual again, but group ritual is extremely rare when you're talking about context of ritual. Ritual is supposed to be a very personal experience that is supposed to be so intimate so that you can generate adrenal energies and direct them in a specific place to benefit you as an individual, to help you get over something, right? It's not to uh, have a social hour. That's not what ritual is for. It's not what it's about. Now, there are certain occasions where people do get together on anniversaries and stuff like that, or, you know, some sort of date where they just want to celebrate. And it does happen, but it's not the reason. It's definitely the exception. It's not the norm. It is cool, though. I have to say, group ritual is pretty dope. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. But it's not the point. <laughs> All right, let's see. Wait for the rants, rev hits, then you'll understand the entertainment value of this show. <laughs> Thanks, Jason. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to be ranting today at all. I, I'm feeling good. I feel, uh, I feel grounded today. <laughs> but I'm not done yet, so who knows. All right, this next one. Satanism and, dr and drugs is the frame that it was presented to me, though I disagree that that's the point of it. This is more about helping friends. So... Good day, Reverend. Your series on the Ninth Sense has uh, been a great inspiration and lots of food for thought in developing my personal worldview, strength, and self-confidence, something Satanism in general also excels at, and I wanted to thank you for that. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. In a recent episode, you talked about the interview with Jack Fritzer, something you also read fully afterwards. One of LeVay's answers made me think about a personal issue you'd like my opinion on. Here is the relevant part. The absolute Satanist is totally aware of his own abilities and limitations. On this self-knowledge, he builds his character. The absolute Satanist is far removed from the masses who look for satanic pleasure in the psychedelics of the head shops. Certainly, I don't oppose this for other people who get stoned out of their minds. When they do this, the more material things there will be for me and my followers, since all those people who freaked out on themselves on drugs will be satisfied with their own pills and will move off to colonies based on drugs. The rest of us, the materialists, will inherit the world. So life is a chain, uh, constant act of balance. Our religion also teaches to embrace the pleasures of life to its fullest. But I have friends losing themselves in drugs, in drug-fueled pleasures. With a sheer lack of self-knowledge, they use the, these satanic ideas as an excuse to continue to run away for them, from themselves. How can those friends be helped here? LeVay would say, Satanism is not a religion for the masses. Let them be, but I care. In psychology, setting personal goals is an often used practice for motivation. Manipulating someone into chasing materialistic things may be an option, but will that lead to liberation? First and foremost, Satanism is about indulgence, not compulsion, right? So the difference being, if you are losing yourself to the drugs, then you are clearly no longer indulging. This is a compulsive behavior which is antithetical to the religion of Satanism, which is what the doctor is talking about in that article. I mean, he's specifically talking about the hippie culture that was dominant in the era uh, that he detested, which is why he hated the idea of drugs and specifically drugs and rituals so much because you, it wasn't an indulgence experience. It was a lifestyle that they were trying to create around it, right? That is not 
satanic. That is not Satanism as a religion. And if you find Satanists who, and you will because we're human, who are compulsively abusing substances, and that doesn't just have to be drugs that are illegal, it could be legal drugs as well, one, um, then first of all, that's a monster that they're going to have to deal with. It has nothing to do with you. And I understand from an individual friendship level, you want to help your friends, right? Because you care about them. And I think the callous thing to say would be, well, go and do a compassion ritual for them. But honestly, that's not really going to help. What is going to help is if these people are ready to hear what you have to say, that you talk to them and you try to connect with them on an intimate level, showing that, hey, I care about you. You are clearly going down a path that is reckless and dangerous to your own health and welfare. Is there anything I could do to help you with this? What you can never do is change anyone else. That has to be something that they want to do in their own time. And not everyone wants to. Some people are just self-destructive. Not everyone comes into this world with this ability, the sheer just cognizant ability of doing anything productive in life. Some people are just born in horrible situations with horrible genetics and horrible chemistry, and they just suffer through existence until they fade out and die. There may be things about these people that you like, but ultimately... They are incapable of jumping over that hurdle that is in front of them. Some people can, but not everyone can. And we have to understand that every individual has limits about what they're capable of and that the life that they lead is theirs. You are not responsible. And even though you're connected to them does not mean that you failed because they followed through with the lifestyle that led to their death. You are not responsible for anyone except for your own decisions, actions, and behaviors. That's it. So if you care about them, try to connect to them. Try to explain why th what they're doing is harmful. Don't be preachy, but show that you genuinely care about them. But I will have to say this. Don't reach out to people simply because you want to reach out to people. That, that's a selfish thing. It has nothing to do with the person. You want to be a hero in that case, right? You just want to feel good about yourself. Like, I, ah, you know, you have a good guy badge. I, I made someone else feel better and that makes me feel better. Okay, you know, some people will do that and they like their badges and everything. <laughs> and yeah, arguably that is about you and it's less about them. But ultimately you're using them to further your own sense of self-worth without actually doing anything. Like you haven't actually done anything successful in that case, right? You're literally just masturbating. And though I'm a fan, <laughs> it doesn't actually mean you've achieved anything, right? It hasn't. So if you're actually going to help someone, make sure it's because you want them to feel better about themselves, not because you want to feel better about yourself. And if you just want to feel better about yourself, do something substantive. Do something that's going to impact your life in a meaningful way that has some sort of material uh, uh, success attached to it. Focus on your profession and hone your craft. Focus on your relationships and grow closer with those you genuinely care about and love building those relationships. But just stepping on someone as they're on their way down to death just to say that I was there at the end, not quite good enough. Not in my book anyway. Do what you want. <laughs> um, yeah, ultimately, my, my bottom line for this is if you care about them, connect with them. If they ignore you or they hate you because of it, you have to understand that that is a possible consequence. I have lost friends because I tried to support them in their divorces or their separations. I have lost friends because I tried to support them um, in shaking off addiction. It doesn't always work out. And you have to go into this knowing that. Like, clearly, your sense of friendship with them was very different than theirs. And that's life. That's just life. We have to be able to accept that we are going to be hurt. We are going to be disappointed. We are going to be knocked down. We are going to be punched in the face by life. 
more than we're going to be coddled and held up as a champion. But that's what makes those successes so great. Was it? Yes, life is hard. It is for everyone. No one gets a free ride. Some people start in better places and may end up in better places. But everyone has to deal with every hit and every kick. And whether you can or not speaks to your potential in life. If you can't get over those simple things and you need to drown yourself in substance, maybe you shouldn't be here in the first place. It's my perspective. Good luck, though. As a key point, just don't drop yourself in the same bucket. You've seen that a lot. Sometimes it's better to either walk away or just be there for the other qualities of that person. Yeah, yeah. And it's tough because no one can tell someone else how to act or behave. You just have to, you know, listen to advice that you find authoritative and, and make a choice. You know, decide this is what I'm going to do. It's never easy and it's almost always going to hurt. <laughs> That's just how it is. Life is tough, but you can't lay down and just wait to die. That's true. I mean, I guess you could. <laughs> I wouldn't respect it, though. That would suck. All right, let's do a little uh, Infernal Informant. That's actually went a lot faster than I thought. Hmm. Hmm. We might have to talk about some other stuff. Actually, I didn't see this earlier, but I like what it is. Uh, Christopher Lee is saying, don't study, not worship so much that you forget to apply it and live. Because that is the real point of it all, is to get out and actually live your life. All right. I do have an image here, so I'm going to put that up. Actually, I had an image for the last one that I didn't throw up, damn it. I forgot. I just got into talking so much that I forgot the other stuff. All right. What is this image? What are we talking about? We're talking about sex offenders. Okay. <laughs> sex offenders. This is from denverCBSlocal.com. The way sex offenders are labeled is changing in Colorado. The board that sets state standards voted today to change the term sex offenders to reflect so-called person-first language. This... <laughs> what are we doing as a culture? <laughs> Why can't we just... I. I George Carlin did a really great bit on um, shell shock and how a lot of veterans are not getting the care that they need because we've rebranded what shell shock was into this almost mild anxiety disorder. And the truth is, is you are incapable of dealing with life because of the experiences were so horrific that nothing could possibly describe it as perfectly as shell shock, right? If we just stop pussyfooting around language and just call a spade a spade, well, then it makes it infinitely easier to understand where we're coming from. But every time we try to soften the blow for someone because, hey, everyone's got feelings and we can't hurt any of them, all we're doing is ignoring the actual problem of why that term exists in the first place. Instead of trying to figure out, hey, why are these sex offenders behaving in the ways that they are? Certainly there must be something that we can do or say or a PSA that we can put out there or some sort of uh, behavioral instruction that can be given. Something to like meet the issue head on, but no, let's not do that. Let's not look for a, a solution to the problem. Let's just change the phrasing of it. And then maybe it'll just go away. Maybe people's feelings won't be hurt. Maybe sex offenders' feelings won't be hurt. And minds. All right. The Sex Offender Management Board, which is made up of everyone from public defenders to prosecutors, set standards and guidelines for treatment providers so that new terminology will only be used in that context. So that's good. You know, let's not fly off the handle. Uh, it doesn't change the term sex offender in law or the criminal justice system, but some worry it's a step in the direction. Quote, I'm involved today after hearing that it would be improper 
or offensive in some manner for me to refer to the man who raped me as a sex offender. A rape survivor, Kimberly Corbin, is among those who spoke out against changing the term sex offender to something less stigmatizing, saying labels based on traits people can't control is one thing. It's very, very damaging for those people who are labeled when it has to do with gender, race, sexuality, ability, but those who are not their choices, the biggest thing for me is that these are choices that sex offenders make. Derek Long says that he shouldn't have to carry the label for life. Referring to me by a label for something I did half my life ago is inappropriate and downright offensive. He argued client would be a better term. Okay, so I want to touch on this because this is a really important aspect of this. He has a fucking point. If you... And let me illustrate this. I, I talked about this article when it first came out, and this was years ago. But it just speaks to the, the progression of our society and how insane we get from time to time. And it seems like we're just exponentially getting more and more insane. 14-year-olds were sexting. The may, or the 14-year-old was sexting um, with a 13-year-old or a 14-year-old, right? It was a, a kid that was one year younger than him, but they were like boyfriend and girlfriend in the, in the junior high or whatever. Uh, anyway... They were brought up on charges, and he was labeled a sex offender for sexting with his girlfriend. Now, they're both underage. They're both agreeing that they wanted to engage in it, which I personally believe is inappropriate at that age, but that's just me. But the point is, he is now, at 14, a sex offender for life. If you piss at night in a public park, you can be labeled as a sex offender. So we have to stop pretending that all sex offenders are rapists because that's not the case. No, you can be labeled a sex offender for some pretty ridiculous things and then you're screwed. Now, I have no problem with someone who does some honestly horrible things and, you know, like sexually assaults someone and then is slapped with the label sex offender. Well, fuck them. They deserve it. But those kids, that 14-year-old boy, I don't think he deserves that certainly not for his whole life so yeah for him in that one case in those cases where you're pissing at a, at a, at a park at night I don't, and there's no one around it's just you and a cop who rolls up on you like in those cases we need to look at the law as the spirit of the law less than the letter of the law and I think that's our biggest problem in this damn culture of ours, is that we try to take everything to the letter and then some. And, and we just have, all we have to do is just relax, stop for a second. Look, he's pissing at night. All right, well, clearly he's not trying to expose himself to kids. So let him finish pissing and zip up and go on his way. Those kids, their brains aren't even fully developed yet. How about we not ruin their entire lives by labeling them as sex offender for a mutually agreed upon act that is inappropriate, but still, everyone played doctor as kids. I would hate to be labeled a sex offender because I played doctor as a kid. Like, that's ridiculous. So, there are limits that we need to at least maintain in the back of our mind because they are real. Uh, David, thanks and welcome to the Ninth Circle, man. All right, where was I? Uh... Public defender Kathy Heffron agreed it takes cons into consideration the uniqueness of individuals who are receiving treatment. Client is one of five options the board considered. Supports of the cha uh, change in terminology argue it will reduce recidivism. All right, what that that doesn't how how do you get to that point? How do you think that if I call you a sex offender because you sexually assaulted someone? then you're going to repeat it because I called you what you were. But if instead I said, you're not a sex offender, you're a client, then you won't repeat the behavior? Is it me calling you what you are that is making you behave that way? Or is it a choice you're making? We need to make people accept the responsibility of their own actions and not pretend that the rest of society is at fault for individual behaviors. That's ridiculous. You assault someone, I feel like they should be able to assault you. Lex Talionis, bitch. That's the way it should be, in my opinion. If you are assaulting children, and I'm going to extrapolate that to animals, 
you should just be taken care of, taken out of the gene pool. Because there is scientific research that says that this is a compulsory thing, that this is actually just what they are attracted to. And it is just you know, like guys uh, who are attracted to women or guys who are attracted to guys, there are men and women who are attracted to children. And it's disgusting in my opinion, and it's not right in my opinion, but it's real and it's true. And some people act on that and they need to be removed from the gene pool so that if in fact it is a genetic issue, then it does not continue into the gene pool. Like if that's what the science is telling us, then we have a solution and let's take it. And instead, referring to them as client because we're the ones that are wrong. We're the ones that are the problem, not the sex offender, is an insane idea. Makes no sense. It makes me so mad. Ah, uh, okay. In the end, the board voted 10 to 6 to go with adults who commit sexual offenses. Okay, so they went from sex offender to adults who commit sexual offenses. And that's better? It's certainly not worse, but I'd say that's like a parallel... <laughs> that is, that's, that's a horizontal movement there. You're not going up or down. It's still a sexual offense. Wait, I don't... What's it? It's... it's Sexual offender. What is that? What, is, what problem is that solving? What the hell is happening? It doesn't make any sense. All right. <laughs> I think this strikes a balance that honors the impact of victims and recognizes the current and ongoing impacts of sexual assault. Why the hell is Siri talking to me? Uh, <laughs> that was weird. She just butts in. All the time. She's a very no nosy, nosy uh, freaking AI. All right, uh, let's see. Where was I? It strikes a balance uh, that honors the impact to victims and recognizes the current and ongoing impacts of sexual assault, but also avoids the labeling term that has negative impacts on those who commit sex offenses. Why don't we want to have a negative impact on people who commit sexual offender offenses, actually? Like, wh what are we trying to to do why and changing sex offender to sex offenses adults who commit sexual offenses that's not a change that's like just rewording it that that's just to make sure you don't get hit by a uh, like it's an assignment issue. Like I don't want you to copy verbatim out of the encyclopedia for your assignment. So you just change. Well, instead of sex offender, it's uh, adults who uh, commit sexual offenses. It's the same thing. And if it's the same thing, don't change it. There's no reason. People suck. People suck. Jessica Daughter with the Colorado District Attorney's Council worries the change won't end with Sexual Offender Management Board. I'm concerned that the use of person-first language generally is an intent to remove accountability from offenders and to diminish the experience of their victims. Yeah, that was the reason that they gave for wanting to do it. So that they're not demonizing the person who acted demonically. <laughs> right? Last year, lawmakers considered a bill that would have, among other things, eliminated the term sexually violent predator from statutes, but they ended up pulling it. Meanwhile, a task force charged with sentencing reform is considered asking the legislative, uh, legislature to change terms like defendant, convict, and felon to justice-involved people. What are we doing? What are we doing? Politically correct is not correct it's softening reality and it's obfuscating obfuscating the actual essence of the problem in every case i don't understand justice involved people isn't that everyone in a society we are all justice involved people because we are all governed by laws the justice system 
All it does is wipe over what the actual individual is and is doing. They're a convict. They're a defendant. They're not justice-involved people. And why do we have to humanize inhuman behavior? And I say inhuman, and that's not fair because clearly it's human behavior, or else we wouldn't do it. Like, the problem is that some people don't want to follow laws. That's all it is. I don't want to obey the laws, so I'm not going to obey them. Then I get caught, then I go to jail, and I have to deal with the way society is going to deal with me. So it's clearly human behavior to break laws, because let's be honest, some of these laws are pretty ridiculous, and we're not following the spirit of the law, we're following the letter of the law. And that's a problem. Justice-involved people. You make me sick. Ironically, the Sex Offender Management Board will not drop sex offender from its name because only the state legislature can change the name. So the, <laughs> the management board that changed the phrasing can't even change the name of the board that they're changing the phrasing of. <laughs> and then what would it be? People on the management board for sexual offenders? Why do you have to add this sense of individuality into it? It's an organization. It's a classification of people. Sex offenders. I don't care if they're individuals with wants and dreams and goals. They assaulted someone! What? Why do we have to cater to the lowest common denominator? People. What is wrong with people? All right. Something working at Subway calls themselves a sandwich technician. <laughs> They're artists. <laughs> They're sandwich artists. <laughs> Perverts will get off on any authoritative mischief. Yeah, I don't understand. It's, it's ridiculous. Yeah, this was brought up, and um, the context was that they couldn't believe that they were taking into consideration the perpetrator's feelings. And yeah, why? They broke the law. They violated someone in almost every case. Why are we giving a fuck about their feelings? They didn't give a fuck about that other person or people's feelings. Why should we then extrapolate humanity to someone who doesn't recognize humanity in others? If this is really a society, then you either fall in line with the society or you suffer the consequences and you're booted out of the society. That's how it works. You can't have your, your feet in a legal and illegal station forever and just expect everyone to have your best interests at heart when you are caught. No. You're a criminal. Lex talionis. Deal with it. Or don't do it. Responsibility is responsible. We're sick of this country pretending to give a shit about sex assault victims. They can't even process the rape kits. That's very true. Uh, fuck off with their language changes. Yeah, no, it's, it's insane. And then you just, I mean, that's just for like the common average. Most rape kits aren't actually uh, looked into or tested or... or uh, uh, Victims, or I'm sorry, um, offenders aren't actually prosecuted in most cases because ultimately we live in a culture of blaming the victim. And this language perpetuates that cycle. I know they're trying to be just uh, as PC as possible and in, in, in catering to the individual, but not every criminal is innocent. Like, I understand a lot of liberals go into the whole death, um, stopping uh, the... the murdering of uh what the death sentence why is that so hard for me to say um they're they're against the death sentence because so many people are caught that are actually innocent and people who are put on death row a lot of them through dna and uh, evidence are shown to actually not be the perpetrators of the crime they're just pointed out because they're a minority or they're in a horrible place at the wrong time um but the fact is that's why a lot of liberals don't want to have any death sentence, uh, because it is so flawed, our justice system. But then they go and make it more challenging to recognize the reality of the crimes committed by softening the language used to describe it. So you're part of the problem. Just 
take a step off, take your foot off the gas, call a sex offender a sex offender, call a rapist a rapist. They shouldn't have their feeling considered because they didn't consider others' feelings. You reap what you sow in life. Certainly on the individual and social level, why are we not extrapolating that out to the cultural level? We have laws, right? Drives me sick. Drives me mad. As someone who has dealt with assault as a child, fuck sparing the feelings of criminals. Here, here. All right, we have a better, we have a palate cleanser story. I love this story that we're about to talk about. And I hope you do, too. I actually don't really care if you do or not, because I'm still going to give it to you. But, dancer, singer, spy. France's Pantheon to honor Josephine Baker. This is from The Guardian, but it's in a bunch of different articles. In November 1940, two passengers boarded a train to Toulouse, headed for Madrid, then onward to Lisbon. One was a striking black woman in expensive furs, the other, purportedly her secretary, a blonde Frenchman with mustache and thick glasses. Josephine Baker, toast of Paris, the world's first black female superstar, one of its most photographed women in Europe, highest paid entertainer, was traveling openly and in her habitual style as herself. But she was playing a brand new role. Her supposed assistant was Jacques Abti, a French intelligence officer, developing an underground counterintelligence network to gather strategic information and funnel it to Charles de Galais' London headquarters, where the pair hoped to travel after Portugal. Ostensibly, they were on their way to scout venues for Baker's planned tour of the Iberian Peninsula. In reality, they were carrying secret details of German troops in western France, including photos of landing craft the Nazis were lining up to invade Britain. The information was mostly written on the singer's musical scores in invisible ink to be revealed with lemon juice, the photographs she had hidden in her underwear. The whole package was handed to British agents at Lisbon Embassy who informed Abti and Baker they would be far more valuable assets in France than in London. All right, get this. A woman who is black, born in Missouri, who is painted in racist tones in America, but who is an insanely talented performer, travels to France and becomes championed as the amazing performer that she is, and all of the racism is melted away because it's not America. Then she's actually hired by the Allies to be a spy, and she does it successfully. That's crazy. That's like a, a crazy fictional movie, but it's real life. I, I can't even, it's amazing. Why, why do we have to wait for this article to come out for everyone on the planet to know about this amazing human being? Like I grew up uh, and I, I knew about her because of her performances, because they were somewhat risque in some cases. And I'm kind of like a, I'm a burlesque fanatic. And so that's sort of how she came on in my awareness. But she's an amazing dancer. She's uh, an amazing, first of all, she's beautiful, uh, amazing vocalist. And she's just a consummate performer. And then a fucking spy. Okay. So uh, back to occupied France, Dooley went. She was immensely brave and utterly committed. Hannah Diamond, a Cardiff University professor, said of Baker, who on Tuesday will become the first black woman to enter the Pantheon in Paris, the mausoleum of France's great men. There's a lot we don't know, and many never know, about exactly what espionage work she did, the secrets she actually transmitted, says Diamond, an expert on Second World War France who is researching a book about Baker's wartime exploits. Bits of her life we know a great deal about. The humble beginnings in Missouri, the international sensation of the 20s and 30s Paris, the U.S. civil rights activist, the mother of an adopted multiracial family that's not the case for the resident's heroine. President Emmanuel Macron decided this summer that 46 years after her death, Baker would become only the sixth woman to be memorialized in the Pantheon in a ceremony on 30 November the anniversary of the marriage to Jean Lyon that allowed her to acquire French nationality. Born Frida Josephine MacDonald in St. Louis in 1906, Baker left school at 12 and landed in a, pal a 
place in one of the first all-black musicals on Broadway in 1921. Like many black American artists at the time, she moved to France to escape discrimination. Emerging from the chorus line of La Revue Negre, she became a huge star, tapping into colonialist, racist, and male sexist fantasies and performances that both shocked and delighted audiences and won admirers from Ernest Hemingway to Pablo Picasso. Dubbed the Black Venus, she danced the Charleston in nothing but a string of pearls in a skirt made of 16 rubber bananas, performed with a snake wrapped suggestively around her neck, strolled down the Champs Ulysses with her pet cheetah, and became an international superstar. Offstage, as the hit songs and starring movie roles succeeded one another, Baker cultivated a scandalous private life, having affairs with men and women, including the novelist Colette, the architect La Corbusier, and the crown prince of Sweden. <laughs> After the war, she fought for equal rights as energetically in public as at home, speaking before Martin Luther King in 1963 March in Washington, and adopting 12 children from around the world to live with her in her chateau in... Uh, Dordogne? Her wartime spying activities, however, for obvious reasons, rather less reliably documented. Much of what is known, says Diamond, who recently published an initial primary source extended essay on Baker's War, comes from a book, Abti, published in 1948. He was a maverick figure, a bit of an operator, she said. He was clearly telling his own story, making his own case, at least as much as he was telling hers. He was not, let's say, disinterested, and it proved hard to track down original source material to verify his account. What is sure, though, is that Abti recruited Baker after meeting her reluctantly in 1939, including, uh, in, introduced by a uh, patriotic, uh, patriotic promoter, determined to show her grat his gratitude. Sweet hell, I'm getting tongue-tied. Determined to show her gratitude to the country that made her and contributed to the war effort, the star was already performing for Allied troops and working with refugees for the Red Cross. Later in the war, she would refuse to perform for Germans. She had an unconditional love for France. She wanted to do her bit uh, for the patrie, said Diamond. She also intuitively understood the dangers of Nazism. She helped Lyon and his Jewish family escape the Germans. She had little formal education, but she associated Nazism with the racism she'd known from America. Abti was wary of what Baker could offer and skeptical of what a female superstar could realistically do, but she talked him into setting her a test, sending her off to the Italian embassy where she extracted sensitive information from an attaché and successfully brought it back. Abti, who is widely assumed to have been the singer's off-and-on lover, became her handler. He trained her in basic spycraft techniques, invisible ink, riding up your arm, reading upside down, but soon saw her, read her real usefulness lay in her magnetic charm and effortless ability to switch roles. She was a performer, and spying would be her greatest part. She subverts our notion of what spying is, says Diamond. It's subterfuge, going under the radar, but here's this huge star hiding in plain sight. No one suspected her, and most importantly, she can travel anywhere and take an, an entourage with her. For Abdi, that's priceless. As much as she's a spy, she's an espionage facilitator. From early 1941 onwards, that is what Baker did. Instructed by London to base themselves in North Africa, she and Abti went to Morocco. The singer traveled from Casablanca to Lisbon, Seville, Madrid, Barcelona, giving concerts, attending receptions in her honor, flattering attaches, politicians and envoys, and passing handwritten notes generally pinned to her bra to British agents. For some months, she was seriously ill and with blood poisoning, possibly after a miscarriage. But even while she was convalescing, her hospital room became a venue for secret meetings, with diplomats, personalities, and officials summoned to Baker's bedside, where gossip was exchanged and secrets smuggled out. With North Africa following the Allied invasion of 1942, now de Gaulle's Operation Administrative Springboard, Baker resumed traveling across the region after her recovery, giving concerts for the troops fundraising for the resistance, and gathering intelligence as she went. In 1944, she enlisted as a woman's Air Force Auxiliary. She absolutely saw herself as a soldier, Diamond said. She saw what she did as the best way, the most effective way, for her to fight her war. And while there's this cloud of uncertainty over exactly what she passed on, she certainly passed on plenty. Ultimately, says Diamond, Baker released 
uh, realized very early that she could use her celebrity for a cause. And she did. She took huge risks. She deserves her Légion d'honneur and her Croix de Gar. Why are we not celebrating her in America too? That's amazing. This is an amazing human being. Oh, man. Oh, no, you're right, dog. I'm horrible. <laughs> I'm horrible with pronunciation. I do not ever pretend to be able to... <laughs> anything. Um, but we should be celebrating people like this more often, right? In America, she was nothing but a black entertainer, and she was shit on by most racist people. But to the rest of the world, she was a fucking hero. And that's who she was, whether she helped in the war effort or not. This is what it means to live a productive and meaningful life. Despite of where you may come from, to make something of yourself. There's nothing more satanic than that. We should be championing it wherever we find it. Because it's incredibly important. And fucking heroes like this, we should... Be should have, like, we should be talking about them more. I would never have known about her spy activity if this article did not exist. Never. I just knew she was a great entertainer, and that's it. We need to. Uh, we can't celebrate her because she's black and a woman. <laughs> I certainly believe that's why many people didn't. And we, we tamp down, and even if she wasn't black, even if she was just a woman, right? Just a woman. In her day, that's all it needed. You shouldn't be out speaking uh, without a male escort. You don't have the right to vote. You, you, know, you don't have these rights that everyone else takes. You know, uh, uh, um, I can't speak today, and I don't know why. I'm like stumbling for my, uh, my words. Um, we don't appreciate what we have because we never had to do without it. Most women nowadays don't understand how, you know, they complain rightfully so about the current injustices that they have to deal with, but they don't realize how much worse it actually was, especially if you're a minority. Like, it's one thing if you're a white woman, but if you're a minority woman, oof, oof, you, there, you had nothing. And I think we should be treating everyone on merit, not on how we appear, you know? I hate whoever you want and hate everyone if you want, but hate for a reason. Don't hate because they come from a specific place on this rock that we all are hurling through space on. Don't hate them because they are, you know, have different uh, uh, genetics than you. That's not a good reason. Hate them because they're assholes. Hate them because they punched you in the face. Hate them because they hate you, but don't hate them because they just exist. That just means you're the asshole people and if someone is doing something amazing bringing joy to this otherwise joyless life like entertainers like her it doesn't i don't give a fuck what she looks like or who she is we should be celebrating her for what she's bringing us amazing performance amazing music beauty like if we can't recognize beauty for just being what it is there's something fundamentally wrong with us Ugh. God, I hate it. You hate for stuff that matters, like how you load the TP roll whenever you eat that one. <laughs> yeah, that is definitely stuff that matters. Uh, it speaks to our social issues. We're so inclined to speak ill of people based on uh, bias, regardless of achievements. Uh, yeah, send me some examples. I'd love to see them, Inoki. I appreciate that. America refuses to admit it alone. Shake its... It Admit, let alone shake its ignorance. Yeah, we, uh, I, I'm not sure when the whole American exceptionalism idea really permeated our culture. Like that whole manifest destiny idea was just to force citizens to move out and subjugate um, the native peoples. Uh, it, it had nothing to do with actually us being you know, destined by God to do anything because there, there's no God. It's just, it was all, it's, it's all political machinations, right? Um, but as Satanists, 
we should be better. Simply by identifying with the religion of Satanism is a good starting point because it means that now you can have objective thoughts and you can actually look at things through a lens other than your own, right? You have perspective, but then you have to actually apply it and not just to other people because that's important. Otherwise, there's no such thing as lesser magic for you, but you have to be able to do that to yourself, which is the really hard one, right? How do you appear to other people? How are they perceiving you by how you speak, your mannerisms. You have to play that game. You have to know that. You need to know how horrible you are at what you're horrible at. How stupid and ignorant you are at what you're stupid and ignorant to. And that hurts because it means admitting that you're not as great as maybe you want to be or you thought you were. But that's the starting point. That's as low as it's going to get. If you can admit to your faults, it's only uphill from there because you're going to work on the ones you care about working on, right? And if we can do that for ourselves, then we can certainly champion it in others. You don't have to go out of your way or anything, but just nod. <laughs> like, oh, I see you. Oh, good for you. You know, it always bugs me because I've run across Satanists like this, um, or specifically former Satanists like this, where they're like, uh, did you hear about this guy and he did this stupid thing back in the day and he, he's a piece of shit, but he got so much fame that people just like him for back in the day? And my response is, well, good for him. He did something that he was successful about. Like, whether you like him as a person or not, it doesn't take away from their successes. And it certainly doesn't mean that I'm going to feel the same way you do about that individual. Like, I don't care who it is. If you've succeeded, congratulations. I'm, I, I have mad respect for you. Because there's too many people who don't try. They don't put in effort. They just skate through life without trying to do anything. What life is about is fighting. That's life. Fighting. Finding something that you want and going after it. If you don't do that, I'm not going to fucking respect you. And I'm certainly not going to respect you just for shitting on other people who are actually achieving things to somehow make yourself feel better by talking shit about them. If you don't like someone else simply because they're able to achieve something that you were never able to achieve because you didn't try to achieve it, you're the piece of shit! All right. I met my hour goal. <laughs> Josephine Baker, I love you. I'm so glad you existed. Uh, <laughs> in memoriam, man. That is awesome. All right, that's all I have for today. Thank you guys for tuning in. They hate us because they hate us. <laughs> Embrace the suck. That's true. Embrace the suck. Life is so tough, man. And if you have like social reasons for that, you know, you were born into poverty or you were born uh, into a, a region of this world that is just, I mean most places in Africa, most places in the Middle East that are just perpetually at war and just people are dropping bombs in you for no fucking reason. That sucks. And for the people who have it the worst simply out of the random chaos of the universe and are able to come out of that shining like a goddamn star, I mean, fuck, I, I salute you. I don't care whether you're a religion I don't agree with. I don't care if you're someone with perspectives that I don't agree with. You've done what so many other people could not, who came from such better starting points. Like, you have to respect that because life is so hard for so many. And those who it's not hard for, just take it for granted. Just take it all for granted. It pisses me off. We don't respect the fight anymore. It seems like we only respect those who have it so easy that they're able to achieve these positions of, of uh, social media influencer that they never actually had to struggle for because they were handed it by their own parents. Why would you respect that? Respect the person who had to fight to get to college. Respect the person that had to raise their brothers and sisters because their parents are pieces of shit. Respect the single parent. Don't respect the people who had everything handed to them. There's no fight there. 
That's worthless. Zero value. Anyway. Anyway, most kick-ass people came from shit and triumphed. Yes. I mean, there's some people who are born in privilege that are pretty badass. It's not only, it's not a zero-sum game across the board. Anyway, all right. Thanks, guys, so much for tuning in. Uh, as, a, as a note, tomorrow I'm deleting the email list. I realize I'm spending a lot of duplicate effort time here. Not only do I put together every Sunday um, a whole sheet note of what I want to talk about and, and, you know, little thoughts and everything. So that then I can then post that to the website and have that, you know, push out to um, uh, audio podcasts the next day after a show. But I'm also recreating that not only to create the video on YouTube as, you know, let people know that it's coming, but also for an email list for the same people who are subscribed to the YouTube channel. And for some who are set up for notifications for the website. So there's just, there's no reason. There's no reason. I'm also playing with the idea, so the email list is going away. I'm also playing with the idea of just having my website go away. I'm not sure I see a value in it when everything I'm doing is on YouTube already. Because all I'm doing is posting show notes, ostensibly, right? I don't write that many essays nowadays because I have other projects that take my time. Um, and so there's no real value for me to duplicate all the content on the website, except that that's the only way that there is an audio podcast. But if people are just tuning into the YouTube channel, then, and the way you can stream YouTube nowadays, you don't need an audio podcast. You can just have it playing in your pocket as you're walking down the street, you know, from YouTube. So there's no real reason to even have the audio podcast. And if there's no reason to have the audio podcast, there's no reason to have the website. And if there's no reason to have the website, I can save a lot of my time in preparation. So anyway, um, yeah, the website is definitely easier to be searched. That is for sure. And yeah, Terry, I mean, I guess some of the blogs are okay, I think. Um, I don't know. I'm, th I'm not going to do anything now, I'm, but I'm thinking about it. It's up in the air. Anyway, if you guys do like what I'm putting out here, uh, subscribe to this YouTube channel. And if you want to get notified, definitely. I know it's stupid and it's cliche to say click the bell, but it does mean that you're going to be pinged on your phone or your device whenever a show comes out. So it is the only way for you to be notified when the show is going live. So do it if you care about that. If you don't, well, that's fine anyway. Have a fantastic week, everyone. Until next week, hail Satan.